0: Alright, so I want to start off, the the earliest remnant of uh, polygamy that we get within Mormonism is actually in the Book of Mormon itself, and it's Jacob chapter 2, and I think we at least have to recognize, regardless of where you are in the spectrum, and I should also probably start off by saying, and I'm kind of a scatterbrain, so I'll go in tons of different tangents, but I think you'll follow along. Um, I'm an active, faithful member of the church, but I also recognize that Mormonism's history is really messy, that's the word I always use is messy. And I think we've told ourselves a story, we've told ourselves a narrative. And Richard Bushman, who's a prominent scholar, recently said that uh, the dominant narrative is not true. It cannot sustain itself, and that's his words. And I think we have to recognize that we only shared a certain amount of data, and we told a certain narrative around that data, and the reality is that the narrative is much different once you dive into the history of these issues. And I want, to, I want to be friendly and welcoming regardless of where you are in the spectrum. I know there are people here who are, are full-in, believing Latter-day Saints. There are folks here who are completely out of the church. And there are folks here who are somewhere in between that. And I want, to, I want to truly honor all those perspectives. And I want people to feel like this is a safe space. And I don't want anything to be confrontational. But I also want us to be honest to the data and to have conversations around the data. And to be willing to be a little uncomfortable tonight as we have these conversations. In the Book of Mormon, Jacob chapter 2, the verse 30, it, this is um, the Lord is condemning uh, the practice of polygamy going up among the Book of Mormon people. And he finishes in verse 30, it says, For I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people. Otherwise, they shall hearken unto these things. And it's this idea that the way we've interpreted this in Mormonism is to say, you know, generally monogamy is the rule. But if the Lord commands otherwise, then we can do something different. But if he doesn't command otherwise, we stick with monogamy. And in recent years, there's been other scholars who have offered different interpretations of of this verse. and, And have pointed out that in other contexts, if we read this as a whole with the other verses around it, God can be seen in the book of Mormon and again you'll see me word things from a faithful point of view I'm a member of the church I'm active so I'm going to do that but I also respect and honor those who are completely out and I we would probably agree more than we would disagree Um, but there are those in the church among scholars who can take this scripture and turn it around and say like no God's condemning you know, polygamy all around um, I just think we need to honor that there's different perspectives but there at least is an inkling that we have to recognize that Joseph Smith has in his mind as he's translating the Book of Mormon that polygamy is something there's something there um, and again whether you take it that the Book of Mormon is written by Joseph or whether God is is involved in the translation either way at least recognize that polygamy is on Joseph Smith's mind as he comes to this part Of the translation, Um, originally in the Doctrine and Covenants there was a uh, section 101. In the 1835 DNC it was section 101. In the 1844 DNC it was section 109, and it was a section that was adamant that um, that there were rumors going around that the Saints were practicing polygamy, but that the law of the church was monogamy. And we know that this section was actually written by Oliver Cowdery. And some apologists within the church have tried to argue that Joseph Smith didn't even know this was being written. And, and that's not the case. Got Until to
1: 1876, it was in the Doctrine and Covenants. Let's just find an old... Here's a, this Doctrine and Covenants happened to belong to Thomas Bullock. Oh, wow. Only one of these in the world, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Bill is what Bill's talking about is section 109... see <clears throat> section 109 says marriage. Oh, no. this, wow. was the, this was the official church position until 1876 when Worship Pratt changes it. You remember Brigham Young dies in 1877 so this is the entire Brigham Young administration what we did. So what does it say
2: basically?
1: Uh, one section of it says uh, All legal contracts of marriage made before a person is baptized into this church should be held sacred and fulfilled. Inasmuch as this church of Christ has been reproached with the crime of fornication and polygamy, we declare that we believe that one man should have only one wife and one woman but one husband except in case of death when either is at liberty to marry again. 1835 right. what wow. we're putting wow. down Oops. rumors of polygamy.
0: And keep in mind, right, that the revelation on polygamy, which is now Section 132, is oh. not in the scriptures till much later, right? I'll pass this around. This is just too cool to look at. If you guys don't have too greasy
1: a Yeah, It's a twenty thousand dollar book, so you There So if you break it, you buy it.
3: <laughs> 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 Every
2: place is
0: So imagine the cognitive dissonance or the paradox going on that in the midst of Nauvoo polygamy, there is no section 132. The average saint knows nothing about section 132. What they know about is section 101.
4: And when was
1: 132
0: added? Uh, Chris, do you know that? When was 143?
1: 1843.
0: 1843.
1: 132, 1843, summer of
0: 1843. And, and section 101 exists alongside it. You're saying until 1870-something. When is it added to scripture? Yes. When is it? 76. 1876 in canon. Orson Pratt is rearranging the Doctrine and Covenants. He's doing it on his own. He's like,
1: let's toss this old crap and put the revelation on polygamy in. <laughs> and so, the, first time, Orson Pratt. Orson Pratt. the first time the saints know anything about that is right here. And this is the, this is an original. This is called the Deseret Book Extra. Wow.
3: Right here. Oh my gosh.
1: And so it was in, in uh, 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 see it says Deseret News Extra? 1852, September 11th, 1852. Orson Pratt, in General Conference, announces that the world, to the world, that we are now practicing polygamy, and that is on August 5th, 1832. Mm-hmm. So the church puts this out as an extra, and you'll see, I'll pass this around too, this one's really, really fragile. Are
3: you sure? just, yeah, <laughs> what do we, you, what do we I have this stuff for it. if we can't touch
1: it? Yeah. Um, okay, okay. This is going to blow your mind. Right here. So, this is the first time this is public to the members of the church. Where was that again? Right here. 1852. You'll see. And so, the reason there's all this, the reason they published this is everything that had been talked about on polygamy up till then. So, that was 14 years after Joseph Smith was killed. Yeah. This 44. is. 44. This is. So everything that had been talked about from polygamy, everything that had been talked about, the, Desert, the church's official newspaper put it in this extra for the saints to read. So it's not like Orson Pratt just came up with it and here's general conference. Right. They've been talking about it, guys. And you'll notice right here, revelation, here. <coughs> which says, revelation given to Joseph Smith, now, July 12, eighteen forty-three. That is section one And that's here. That's like the, the real
4: stuff.
1: This is the actual. Man, those
4: people have good eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we printed, printed on better paper than we do now. That's the entire section right there in the lens. And you'll see uh, there's other, uh, you know, Brigham Young Discourse, August 8th, 1852. So once Orson Pratt announced it, that's all they do for the next, you know, several weeks. So there's that right there. In, our section, 132. So on in section 132, it says
5: that the revelation was recorded in
3: 1843. Yes. It, where was that recorded?
0: So in 1843, Joseph Smith has a conversation with his brother Hiram. And Emma is completely rejecting polygamy. And Hiram says, if you'll just put the revelation on paper, I'll take it to her and I'll get her to accept it. And so the revelation is then put onto paper. That first edition of whatever that revelation was written on, we we believe was burned up. And we don't know whether Emma threw it in the fire or Joseph threw it in the fire there's several quotes, including Brigham Young, by the way, who indicate that in Joseph Smith's last days and weeks, that he had rejected polygamy himself and had had felt like he had made a huge mistake. and Joseph felt that? What's that? Yeah. Joseph. Yeah, Brigham Young even makes some comments that that was happening. But the quotes aren't really strong, and so there's some conjecture and trying to draw the absolute conclusion that Joseph Smith rejects polygamy. There's a lot of times that Joseph says one thing to one person, and then on a, you know, going down the street to somebody else's house, he would say something completely different. So it's hard to put a stake on where Joseph's actual motives were in terms of keeping or ending polygamy, but that's at least where the revelation comes from. So keep in mind, as the saints are in Nauvoo, as they're in, as they're practicing, as Joseph dies and Brigham Young goes out west to Utah, even in the midst of practicing polygamy, as they took their scriptures to church on Sunday, they had old section 109, and they've got a law of monogamy. And so there has to be this this paradox in their mind. This this having to wrestle with our scriptures, our canon says one thing, but our theology is something different.
4: Just like now to dress.
0: Yeah, in a lot right. of ways, right? Just right. the opposite situation. Right. Yeah, now we have 132 and we're living monogamy. Right. But, but we, we avoid the messiness of that by only picking three or four verses out of that section to use in Sunday school, right? And maybe
3: that's what they did.
0: Maybe. Maybe that's what they did. I don't think they had correlation back then.
3: <laughs>
0: so it I'm saying that we know Oliver Cowdery wrote it, and some apologists, some people in the church want to say, like, Oliver did it on his own, Joseph Smith's out of town. But even Fair Mormon acknowledges that Joseph Smith supported its publication. On Fair Mormon's website, they say, while some have suggested that the article was published against Joseph's wishes, or without his knowledge, the available evidence suggests that he supported its publication. It was likely included to counter the perception that the Mormon practice of communal property or law of consecration included the community of wives. So that's their explanation for it. But at least the recognition that Joseph would have known about this section and it wasn't put into our scriptures without his knowledge. And if it was, it sure stood there a long time, right? Um, the statement was not a revelation of Joseph Smith. We ought to be careful. We often think every section of the DNC in, in Mormon ways of Thinking these things through, we think everything is a revelation. Right. Sure.
2: But well, this that's section, what I was taught on my mission and in the MPC. That's kind of what I was
0: taught. Right. But this section in particular is not a revelation. Written by uh, Oliver Cowdery again, it was added in to kind of dispel some of the rumors going on in the town. So that's kind of the early setup. Now I want to jump into some of these women's stories. Mm-hmm. The very first woman approached about polygamy is Mary Elizabeth Rawlings Leitner. And that may surprise you, because that may not be the name you first thought of. But Mary Rawlings first met Joseph Smith in early 1831. She and her family were new converts, and Joseph Smith had just arrived in Kirtland from New York. Here's what she says. She says, When he saw me, he looked at me so earnestly. I felt almost afraid, and I thought, He can read my every thought. I thought how blue his eyes were. After a moment or two, he came and put his hands on my head and gave me a great blessing, the first I ever received. Joseph also prepared Mary for their eventual marriage. I believe this is on the same occasion. Uh, he told me about his great vision concerning me. He said I was the first woman God commanded him to take as a plural wife. Now the question is, how old was Mary Elizabeth Rawlings-Leitner on this occasion? This is
1: a picture of her back here.
2: She was younger than
0: that. <laughs> Anybody know? Uh-uh. Twelve. 12 years old 12 years old when Joseph approaches her and tells her that she's going to be the very first plural wife now he doesn't marry her then Um, she ends up marrying Adam Leitner in 1835 and early in 1842 so 7 years after her marriage to to Mr. Leitner Joseph approached Mary about becoming his wife According to Mary, Joseph said, The angel came to me three times between the year of 1834 and 1842 and said I was to obey that principle or he would slay me. Furthermore, Joseph told her I was his. I'm sorry. furthermore, Furthermore, Joseph told her, and this is her words, I was his before I came here. And he said, all the devils in hell should never get me from him, and I should that I shall be saved in the kingdom of God. I have the oath of God upon it, and God cannot lie. All that he gives me I shall take with me, for I have that authority and that power conferred upon me. Initially, Mary doesn't accept his proposal. She wanted to witness for herself. She said, if ever a poor mortal prayed, I did. And in February of 1842 Joseph had convinced her it was a correct principle and she had gotten an answer to her prayer and she went forward and was sealed to him Brigham Young performed the sealing for time and all eternity Mary said her husband Adam was far away that's her words when the marriage took place and you'll see you'll see a pattern in these relationships where often the husband or the father is some distance away when this relationship begins When she says, I was his before I
6: came here, is she talking about... The premortal life, yes. So
0: how
4: old was she when he proposed to her the second time? So she, that's
0: 1842, and so in 1831 she's 12, so in 1841 she's 22, so she's 23 years old. Okay. Um, Her husband's far away when the marriage takes place. He's out of town at the time of her marriage to Joseph. Mary continues to live with her first husband, Adam, and of this arrangement, she later wrote, I could tell you why I stayed with Mr. Leitner, things the current leaders of the church do not know anything about. I did just as Joseph told me to do. Yes. Now, we are allowed to ask questions. Yeah, that's okay. the end of that one. So I, after I get done with any so of these wives,
2: Where did you get that information, I guess?
0: So most of this stuff comes off of Brian Hale's website. Okay. As well as a website titled thewivesofjosephsmith.com. Can
2: you give like a really quick background on Brian Hills?
0: So for those who don't know, Brian Hills is a faithful uh, member of the church. Um, he is an apologist. He's written several books on Joseph Smith's polygamy. He really is the expert on Joseph Smith's polygamy. Uh, he hired out Don Bradley. The two of them just tackled all the data. They went out and found... Every single source that talks about polygamy within Mormonism that we know of today, went and tracked them down, made sure they said what we claimed they said as far as like when other people would read it and give transcriptions of it, and verified all the documents. And then he's taken all the documents and put them on his website, which is josephsmithpolygamy, I believe, dot com. So josephsmithpolygamy.com and then thewivesofjosephsmith.com. Both websites are just full of information. They both have footnotes and resources. And you can track any one of these quotes back to the original source. Just because of the amount of data, I don't have that tonight. But if anybody doubts any of these, come up afterward. Tell me what quote you doubt. And I'll pull up my phone, and we'll find the source for it. Um, oh, absolutely. Any other questions on Mary Elizabeth Rawlings-Leitner? Is there any way we can just turn the TV off? <laughs> just Chris, do you want to do that? Yeah. What's that? Do you, is, it, is it kind of a distraction? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do turn you off. Mind? Uh, I don't we know how to do just that. But just, just turn TV. off TV. Like oh. clap? Uh. <laughs> uh. I can go TV VR technician. That works. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So I actually deleted a small section of my of my stuff for tonight. It was Fanny Elger, but I can do most of this I think off the top of my head. So Fanny Elger is uh, moves into Kirtland with her family. And when she's, we don't have the exact date of the marriage. Some people propose as early as 1833 because, again, in every one of these cases, there's several pieces of history coming from multiple uh, venues. So what happens is, say, 20 years later, um, you know, a member of the church will try to go back into their memory and state something for the record of what happened but you'll also have contradictory quotes to those dates and places and when these things take place. The earliest proposed date for Fanny Elgar is 1833, but I think most evidence lends to 1835 or 1836, which would have Fanny Elgar be around the age of 16, almost certainly 16 years old when this would have taken place. She is working as a maid in the Smith home. She's 16 years old, And keep in mind, too, in 1835 or early 1836, we definitely know it took place before the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. And the Kirtland Temple would have been where Joseph Smith would have had Elijah come and give keys for sealing husbands and wives together for time and all eternity. So he married her before the sealing power. So he has a relationship with her before the sealing power. I don't feel comfortable calling it a marriage, And I'll share two pieces of evidence on why, but there also is some evidence that lends to it being a marriage. And so I simply wanted to be understood in the room, like there's contradictory evidence and people can decide which evidence they feel is stronger and can draw that conclusion if they want to. But I do wanna read, I'll read the the two sources that push for it being something other than a marriage. The first one is Oliver Cowdery. We, don't, we talk a lot about the three and eight witnesses, but we don't really spend a lot of time talking about things they said that run counter to the church's narrative. And Oliver Cowdery at one point is excommunicated, and one of the reasons he's excommunicated is because he believes Joseph Smith had an affair, and he simply will not be silent about it. And so he writes his brother, uh, Warren Cowdery, and he says, I never confessed, intimated, or admitted that I ever willfully lied about Joseph Smith. When he was here, we had some conversation in which in every instance, I did not fail to affirm that what I had said was strictly true. A dirty, nasty, filthy scrape of his and Fanny Elger's was talked over in which I strictly declared that I had never deviated from the truth on the matter and, I, and as I supposed, was admitted by himself. So Oliver is saying that Joseph is admitted to him that he had an inappropriate relationship with Fanny Alger. And this is Oliver Cowdery writing his brother Warren Cowdery. The other piece of data is secondhand, so you take that for what it's worth. But it is William McClellan. And William McClellan, um, goes out and interviews Emma Smith, has a conversation with her in her later years. And then later after that, he has a conversation with Joseph Smith third, Emma and Joseph's son, who is now leading the Community of Christ, the, Re- the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so he's talking to Joseph Smith III about his previous interview with Emma. And he says, now, Joseph, I will relate to you some history and refer you to your own dear mother for the truth. So she's still alive at this point, right? You will probably remember that I visited your mother and family in 1847 and held a lengthy conversation with her, retired in the mansion house in Nauvoo. I did not ask her to tell, but I told her some stories I had heard. She told me whether I was properly informed. Dr. Frederick G. Williams practiced with me in Clay County, Missouri during the latter part of 1838, and he told me that at your birth, your father committed an act with a Miss Hill. Now, we believe Miss Hill is Fannie Um There's lots of evidence that points to there is really no Miss Hill. He's just misremembering a name, but she is the girl serving in the Smith home as a maid at the time, Fanny Algar is yeah even in and out of the church it's agreed that that's the case Um, a Miss Hill a hired girl Emma saw him and spoke to him he desired but Mrs. Smith refused to be satisfied he called in Dr. Williams Oliver Cowdery and Sidney Rigdon to reconcile Emma but she told them just as the circumstances took place so she's telling all of them he found he was caught he confessed humbly and begged forgiveness Emma and all forgave him she told me this story was true. Again, I told her I heard that one night she missed Joseph and Fanny Elger. See, so there the name's different. She went to the barn and saw him and Fanny in the barn together alone. She looked through a crack and saw the transaction. She told me this story, too, was verily true. And so we're going to have to deal, again, the, the other piece of evidence is Levi Hancock Right, Levi's the son, Chris, and Mosiah's the father? Mosiah performs the... Yeah, right. So Levi Hancock is the son. Way years later, he says that his father, Mosiah Hancock, was there and performed the sealing. And so on some level, you you simply have to have this wrestle of whether it was an inappropriate relationship or whether there's a sealing that takes place. Both the Levi Hancock as well as the William McClellan are both secondhand. In fact, uh, in some ways, even a little bit of third-hand. And the Oliver Cowdery, though, is first-hand. And so we just have to kind of deal with the, the data on that. But again, you've 16 years old maid working in the Smith home. We know something happened. And we also know that Eliza R. Snow and uh, what's Jensen's first name? Well, anybody? Andrew? Andrew Jensen, yes. Andrew Jensen and uh, Eliza R. Snow both, I think he's writing down. He's We'll get to this later, but he's in charge of determining which women were sealed to Joseph as a plural wife, because there is this court case going over um, between the Temple Lot group, which is a breakoff, and the RLDS Church, which is a breakoff. And the LDS denomination wants to send witnesses out, so they're accumulating a list of who are the plural wives of Joseph Smith. And Eliza R. Snow tells Andrew Jensen that he's missing somebody on his list, and it's Fanny Alger. No. So, at least Eliza R. Snow believed that that was a plural wife of Joseph Smith. Can
3: you
2: Questions get a on,
0: short, please. Quick definition of an apologist. So, uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of definitions. Um, in the traditional sense, an apologist has nothing to do with apologizing. An apologist defends a position and will create arguments or ways in which to talk about information to show that there's space to hold a certain belief. And so if someone's a, an apologist for catholicism or an apologist for islam or an apologist for scientology, those folks will say like here's the data but yeah but you're missing this and you're also not understanding the context here and try to make space so that whatever they're defending that belief can remain. Does that make sense? Spin. Sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So that's Fanny Algar. Any questions on her? Of course. Based on the method of Old Testament marriages, the act he did in the barn was in fact a marriage. Yes. If you if you if you hold strictly to a view of the Old Testament that God is commanding that polygamy, which I think can also be debated,
6: but was a transaction, right? But but Does the, the
0: but the polygamy <laughs> that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are partaking in, whether commanded by God or not. Certainly occurs in the same kind of way, right? Wife can't you look at Abraham and he's right, two wives? He got right. the wrong wife to start with. Yeah, and he married her in the, in the tent. Right. So it was <laughs> I mean, a surprise who she was. We, if if we're holding from a believing perspective, we would recognize like our our mind isn't necessarily God's mind, and what we think is right and wrong, and what we approve and don't approve of, isn't necessarily how God would see the world. That's presentism. At least some level, right? Any other questions on Fannie Elger? Did Hancock say when that city took place? Did Hancock say when when what took place? The transaction. No, the ceiling. The ceiling? Yeah. He said he witnessed the ceiling. between. Oh, the ceiling. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he gives a year or not. And and I only would want to recognize like there's three or four quotes on the date. And some of them are as early as 1833 and as late, I think, as late 1835. And I, I want to make a little room for early 1836, but certainly before the Kirtland Temple dedication. Any other questions on Fanny? So is this there's also the same confusion on when the transaction took place, too, as far as between 33 and 36. Mm. We're going to have to deal all night long, Wayne, on the fact that Emma almost certainly knew very little about most of what was going on in terms of political. Okay, we have
5: some idea, though, when Oliver Cowdery got cross-white with Joe.
0: Yeah, let me see what a date is on his... Uh-huh. <laughs> And I like this, by the way. I'm not bothered by any kind of stoppage, and let's ask questions. The William McClellan letter to Joseph Smith III is 1872. I don't know what Emma's death date is, but he makes it sound like he could go to his mom and ask her still. Um, the Oliver Cowdery letter to Warren Cowdery is January 21st, 1838. Emma dies in 1889. Okay, so she lives quite a bit longer. So, so he's basically saying, like, this is what your mom has told me. You can go ask your mom if you want to. Which is that's pretty strong. I mean, if you wait till she's deceased, that weakens it a little bit. But the fact that she's still alive, I think, strengthens that that statement. Um, but he doesn't give in the letter to, Oliver, to his brother Warren. He doesn't give any kind of date of when the thing took place. Uh, Oliver is excommunicated though in 1835. 1838. 1830. Oh, 1830 later. Forward. Okay. Thank you. So it's so we at least know before that, and he's writing his brother even a year before that happens.
6: Yeah. They all moved to back.
0: And, and Oliver's adamant he's you know he's holding the ground that something inappropriate happened and he's just not going to be silent about it and to some extent he, it's part of you back the church? Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Oliver back. um <laughs> any other questions on Fanny Elgar? well
4: I've read that when people talk about end up hearing through the crash and seeing the transaction take place that
3: there's some debate as to whether that was a marriage or whether that was the affair
0: yeah so, uh, what I would say is, a great question. it is. That it that? is. It's a great question. It's a fantastic a question.
2: question. I think when you're in a barn
0: with a woman, it's not really a marriage. <laughs> I, I, I put that out there. <laughs> what, what I want to do. don't understand. I would much rather, like, if we just say, here's what they said. How did the person they were talking to take it? Right on some level, when I have a communication with you. I'm going to talk in a way that I'm at least hopeful that you're going to understand what I'm saying. And I'm going to communicate it in a way that you walk away taking the meaning that I wanted you to take from it. Now, that doesn't always happen. It is imperfect. But I think William McClellan walks away thinking it's an affair. And we could say, like, transaction could be anything. But on some level, too, this is a time period where sex is very taboo to talk about. And so you'll even see when these women go out to uh, Missouri to go to the Temple Lot case and to specifically testify that Joseph Smith had sex with them. And they're asked by Brigham Young to go do that. They're on the church's errand. That They're still very hesitant to directly answer the questions of whether they had sex. And so they use rhetoric and verbiage that kind of couches it and says it more subtly. And we'll get to that later, and you'll see that. I would simply say that if Emma saw a ceiling, it's it's kind of a strange thing for her a lot of years later to carry all this anxiety over a ceiling and to tell the story in such a way that McClellan walks away thinking it's an affair.
3: Mm.
0: And, And so I think we could debate it. I would simply say that the most rational, reasonable conclusion from that would be at least that McClellan understood it, that it was an affair, And Emma didn't seem to say it in a way as to get rid of that. I don't think Emma said it in a way that was ambiguous. I don't think he took it as an ambiguous statement. I think he took it very directly like this is what it means. And it seems odd that Emma would say something that could be interpreted another way. And allow someone to walk away thinking something completely different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Bill? Yep. Yes.
4: Could it be that Emma didn't
3: want to recognize polygamy? Well, obviously she didn't want to. You know, she didn't want it to be occurring. But if they're including her as one of the wives, which Eliza Arsenault said she was, then maybe at some point she became. A wife I mean maybe what they saw was the beginnings of something and then she was later sealed they, the two things don't have to have
0: happened yeah. at the
3: same time
0: the, the trouble is Fanny Elger is essentially she kicked is. out of the Smith home and True. sent packing yeah. I believe even before the Kirtland temple and she dedication come she
4: doesn't come out no. okay.
0: she moves away and she doesn't she people are still trying to get information from her and she says nothing she is silent the rest of her life she goes somewhere else I think Indiana maybe Indiana. and she goes to Indiana and she gets married and, uh, and she lives out the rest of her life um, and just says not another drop about Mormonism the moment she leaves Kirtland. But doesn't she have family that comes to Utah like her brother? I don't know, but I don't think they say anything either. Yeah, they don't. Everybody is just silent on the matter. But her
1: brother came, stayed in the church and came to Utah. Her brother Which her interviews her and asks her about this. Google it. And she says that was a private matter between myself and my God or something like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and the fact that this brother stays, I, I think, is a faithful evidence that, you know, if this brother was able to reconcile in his mind, knowing the situation and talking to his to his sister, you know, for whatever reason, I think we just have to get like there's data on all sides of these issues, um, and, th- and these are complicated. Uh, let's go to Lucinda Morgan Harris, and she's only interesting because of the Thomas Marsh incident with the milk strippings. But George Harris and his wife, Lucinda Morgan, who then obviously getting married to George Harris becomes Lucinda Morgan Harris, joins the church in 1834. In 1838, Joseph stays at the Harris home for two months. We know this from journal entries. The date of the marriage is unknown, but the best scholarship, I believe even uh, Brian Hales agrees, that this occurs most likely in 1838, around the time that Joseph stays in the house for two months. We, We don't know if her first husband knew about the marriage. Um, but faithful LDS scholars have called it a connubial relationship. And If you look up the word connubial, it means having all the traits of a real marriage. And you really only use that to kind of describe one trait that you're
3: trying to get
0: So it's a connubial relationship. But we don't know a whole lot after. And There's not a lot of other things that are interesting in this relationship. But what is interesting is if the 1838 date is correct, then her and Joseph's marriage would have taken place only a few months before the alleged Thomas Marsh milk stripping incident. So now imagine for a moment your brother Marsh, you appeal to the first presidency over this disagreement that your wife has over milk and strippings with Lucinda Harris. And you appeal to the first presidency over this disagreement. And now you know that Lucinda is a secret wife of Joseph Smith. Thomas Marsh doesn't know. Other members of the church don't know. What's the chances that that Joseph Smith and the first presidency are going to side against um, Lucinda Harris in this disagreement? And it's slim to none. And, And we actually don't even know if the milk stripping incident is a true story in church history. We have so little evidence and nothing really directly said. All we have is a later statement that Thomas Marsh went to George Harris and they worked out their differences we don't get anything firsthand or even secondhand about this incident. We get a statement from like, I don't know who it is, if it's like Orson Hyde, but it's like 27 years later. And so, if the incident did occur, and if it did happen after Joseph Smith had already entered a relationship with Lucinda Harris secretly, I think the chances are slim to none that he's going to side against um, Lucinda Harris in a dispute with Thomas Marsh and his wife. And so maybe just to recognize that that incident, as we share that every four years in Gospel Doctrine class, <laughs> to recognize that that story is a lot more complicated than the, than the 20 minutes we give it uh, once every four years. Any questions on Lucinda Harris? To me, the, the, the more interesting part
5: of that is, uh, is her marriage to William Morgan. Yeah. Because William Morgan, obviously, Jill Smith, uh, there's a lot of crossover there was a big name in upstate
0: New York uh, well-known Mason right ends up uh, just disappearing and believed to have been murdered but I don't think they ever found a body right but there's no body right kind of like Jimmy Hoffa right just, mm. just <laughs> disappeared and uh, it was it was a it was a huge story at the time Wayne. you're right and he wrote so the expose what's that he wrote that expose on base screen right and then and then obviously once he does that he makes lots of enemies Right. All of a sudden, he vanishes and is believed to be murdered. And so there's this high-profile guy that Lucinda's married to, and she leaves one high-profile guy, marries George Harris, and then marries another high-profile guy. Right? So it is an interesting story. Um, anything else? One of my... and When I say favorite, I don't mean favorite like I get happy and these are fun stories. <laughs> but, but I say favorite in that they're interesting uh, the Partridge sisters is the next one I wanted to talk oh, yeah. about. So Emily and Eliza were the daughters of Nauvoo Bishop Edward Partridge, and Edward Partridge died in 1840. At the time, Emily was 16 and Eliza was 20, and with their dad passed away, they looked to be hired out, hired out as maids uh, to support their family. Emily recalls, this is her word, she says, the first door that opened for us was to go to President Smith's, which we accepted. Emily said she was a a nurse girl for they had a young baby. That is what I delighted in, tending babies. Joseph and Emma were very kind to us. They were almost like a father and a mother, and I loved Emma and the children. Um, One year later, Joseph approaches Emily with plural marriage. She declines. She says, Mrs. Durfee came to me and said Joseph would like an opportunity to talk with me. I was to meet him in the evening at Mr. Heber C. Kimball's. Not wanting to incur any suspicion, Emily didn't change from the dress she had been working in that day. When I got there, nobody was at home but the Kimball children, William and Helen Kimball. We'll talk about her later too. I did not wait long before brother Kimball and Joseph came in. Emily recalls that Heber and Joseph sent the Kimball children to a neighbor's home and pretended to send Emily away as well. She says, I started for home as fast as I could so as to get beyond being called back for I still dreaded the interview. Soon I heard Brother Kimball call, Emily, Emily, rather low, but loud enough for me to hear. I thought at first I would not go back and took no notice of his calling, but he kept calling and was about to overtake me, so I stopped and went back with him. Back at the Kimball home, Joseph spoke to Emily. I cannot tell all Joseph said, but he said that the Lord had commanded him to enter into plural marriage and had given me to him, and although I had got badly frightened, he knew I would yet have him. Well, I was married there and then. So this is the second occasion after she had rejected the first. How old was she? I'm trying to think. I think one was 18 and 19, right? No, uh, I was thinking like 19 and 22. Okay. But the marriage takes place right then and there. Um, Joseph went home his way and I going my way alone. A strange way of getting married, wasn't it? Although they did not spend their wedding night together, Emily said she, quote, slept with, unquote, Joseph on other occasions. Joseph's property caretaker in Macedonia, Benjamin Johnson, remembers the couple traveling there. Quote, the prophet came and occupied the same room in bed with the daughter of the late Bishop Partridge. Four days after her marriage to Emily, Joseph married Emily's sister, Eliza. The details of the proposal and marriage are spare, sparse. Eliza kept a journal but later burned it because it was quote too full unquote. Mm-hmm. It's a strange reason to burn a journal. It's yeah. too, bad. It's too <laughs> full. I don't think she means that as if all the pages were filled, okay. <laughs> right? I, I think she means all that all that right? contained a lot of information that would that would be damaging to people and their in their reputations. Mm-hmm. Years later she wrote, and again, I don't mean that in a scandalous way. I mean that I don't mean it in the scandalous way I think we right. jumped to. Maybe in the scandalous way that polygamy was illegal, and if any evidence of it surfaced, it would be very damaging to the church. Years later, she wrote, while living in Joseph's house, he taught us the plan of celestial marriage and asked us to enter into that order with him. This was truly a great trial for me, but I had the the most implicit confidence in him as a prophet of the Lord and could not believe his words, and as a matter of course, accepted the privilege of being sealed to him as a wife for time and all eternity. Of the marriages, Emily said, neither of us knew about the other at the time. Everything was so secret. So these two sisters are married to Joseph, four days apart from each other. And they don't know about each other. And on top of that, Emma doesn't know about these relationships, either.
2: Isn't that against section
0: 132? Um, yeah, we can talk about that towards the end. I mean, isn't the first wife supposed to occur? Yeah, right. just there's, there's two rules. Right, there's two, there's two rules in section 132. and they're Joseph
2: supposed to be a virgin, and they're supposed to be approved by the first floor.
0: Yes. And because these women are already married, which was also part of that, right? If you're going to be a virgin, you can't be married. And if you're married, you're probably not a virgin, right? Probably not. <clears throat> so she talks about how that neither one of them knew about each other. Emma agreed to let Joseph marry additional wives at some point. So there's this back and forth. It's not black or white. It's not like Emma's on board or she's not on board. And we also ought to recognize that there is some pressure consistently put on Emma to be approving of polygamy. For example, Joseph doesn't allow Emma to be endowed until she accepts the principle. Um, So at some point, she gives in for at least a short time period and says that, okay, fine, I'm on board if I get to pick the women that you get to be married to. And because Emily and Eliza are living in the home, our, our best guess is that she picks the two of them because she can keep a close eye on them, right? So she so here's what happens, and it's, it's kind of strange because Joseph's already married to these two sisters, and then Emma gives approval for a marriage to take place. Unaware of their marriage to Joseph months earlier, Emma selected her live-in helpers, Emily and Eliza. Emily recalls, this is Emily's own words, I do not know why she gave us to him unless she thought we were where she could watch us better. Emily continued, to save the family trouble, Brother Joseph thought it best to have another ceremony performed. Emma had her feelings, so we thought there was no use in saying anything about it so long as she had chosen us herself. Accordingly, we were sealed to Joseph Smith a second time, this time in <laughs> Emma's presence. I see Joseph's face like. I he's I didn't copy and paste this part over, but the same situation happens. This only lasts for a little while and Emma eventually turns again against polygamy and ends up sending the Partridge sisters out of the home. And one of the Partridge sisters make a they make a comedy, either in a journal or in a, in a quote where they said it somewhere that they essentially had been removed from the home and had found residence with another member of the church down the road. Um, so again, it's it's this give and take where Emma's like, okay, I'll try to live with this, and then a few months later, she just can't bear it anymore. And and the quote that I that was there said something along the lines of that Emma, I think it's one of the sisters, Emma caught. Joseph with me, essentially, and hence, you know, got frustrated and out we had to go. I mean, you can imagine, like, you're trying to deal with this principle, and, and then you recognize, like, okay, that means my husband's going to have intimacy with these women. And you're barely giving approval and you really don't want to, and, and and so there's just moments where she just turns on that and and essentially just like, okay, that's it. I can't take any more of this, and it has to stop. Um Any questions on the Partridge, sisters? These sort of problems are typical in fundamentalism as well. A lot of times the first wife
6: people
0: the one later on to change the mind. Right. And and there's patterns that are beginning to develop in that you'll notice that many of Joseph Smith's plural wives work in his home, are younger, Mm -hmm. and they work in his home when he approaches them. Another pattern you'll begin to notice throughout the night is that in many of these relationships where the where Joseph is proposing a plural marriage, he words things in a way to leave that young lady or older lady, but most of the time that younger lady, thinking that she's the first one entering this thing. Like, I have to start the principle, and God's going to condemn me if I don't get this principle thing going. Meanwhile, there's already <coughs> other ceilings behind me. So the principle's already enacted, yeah. And, and so you have to wrestle a little bit with whether God is saying like principle meaning like you have to marry these 20 wives over the course of two years and there's there's more than that but I'm just using it. these 20 wives over two years or is Joseph perhaps manipulating words as to put pressure on each of these young women along the way and, and that also is one of the debates that goes on on people on both sides of the spectrum like maybe even the fourth wife is still starting the principal if the principal is this big you know, thing that takes up the expanse of time in this period. Um, but also it feels like each woman doesn't know about the others and there's a level of pressure that you've got to help me get this going. And so I think many of these women thought they were the first one. Anything else in the Partridge sisters? Uh, Sylvia Sessions, really only interesting from um, establishing a sexual dynamic of polyandry. Uh, Sylvia Sessions is the. Uh, she ends up marrying a Windsor lion. Joseph actually performs the ceremony. Um, the next day, the prophet was also visiting their home. This was in 1837. In 1839, her and Windsor moved to Nauvoo, and then Sylvia marries Joseph Smith on February 8th of 1842, when she was 23 years old. We don't know if Windsor knew about the marriage, and I don't want people to draw the conclusion like, oh, he didn't know. Like, the evidence just isn't there one way or the other. And, and any claim we make in many of these situations on whether the husband knew or not is conjecture. And and I would just prefer to kind of steer clear of that and just acknowledge, like, we don't know. And maybe he knew and maybe he didn't. Um, We know that some of the husbands did know. We know that some of the husbands likely didn't
2: orson Hyde probably didn't since he was in here. Yeah, he was on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, didn't get yeah.
3: that email. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, By the way, <laughs> yeah. your daughter.
0: But but on some of the husbands, in fact, I think the majority of them we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does continue to live with Windsor. And what's important here is that when Sylvia gets to her deathbed, she tells her daughter Josephine, that's a unique name, Josephine, which seems to be a female version of Joseph. She tells Josephine that you are the daughter of the prophet Joseph Smith. And so Josephine goes the rest of her life and passes on to her lineage that she is the genetic you know, offspring of Joseph Smith, the prophet. In recent years, DNA research has gotten so good. For a long time, maybe about a decade ago, we got to where we could we could trace back the male chromosomes but we couldn't do the female side. And only recently has technology and um, creative minds that have worked on these things come to the point where now we have the ability to track both male and female. So finally, we were able to track Josephine's line. And so just, was it last year or the year before? It was two years ago. Two years ago. Hugo um, uh who is a faithful LDS geneticist, does a conference is it the John Whitmer Association or is it the Mormon, Mormon History? History Mormon History Association um, gives a conference where he is going to reveal who the real father of Josephine is, and everybody, because of Josephine's statement from her mother on her on her deathbed, everybody had believed that the parent the father was Joseph Smith.
1: The father. I was in the room and I go out and call Bill. There was
0: just Yeah, and so the the revelation here is... I'm not understanding what you just said. Sure. Ugo Perrigo, geneticist, finally has the ability to definitively say who Josephine's father is. And all this time through history, we have believed it was the prophet Joseph Smith because Josephine is told that by her mother Sylvia Sessions on her deathbed. But the revelation is that Windsor Lyon is the father, which tells us that if Sylvia thinks Josephine is Joseph's, but it's actually the other man's child, her first husband, and we know that sexual intimacy is occurring at essentially the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's the demonstrable case of polyandry occurring. And so if you were to go to LDS.org and you go to the Kirtland Nauvoo essay on polygamy, the gospel topic essay, you'll see down in the footnotes, they talk a little bit about other men's, these women being married already to other men. But there's really not a conversation about sex occurring. And then in the footnotes, there's a mention that Brian Hales completely disagrees that any sexual polyandry was occurring. And his reconciliation, his reconciliation for the Hugo Perigo announcement. He's
2: just saying Joseph didn't have any kids it? Well
0: with that, yeah, the Ugo Perigo is arguing that. That that Joseph Smith doesn't have any children with you know, there's no there's no there's no posterity with Joseph's DNA, which is true. His reconciliation for the Sylvia Sessions uh, announcement to her daughter is that she was only speaking about in the eternities. Because I've been sealed to Joseph. I'm married to Windsor Lyon for time. I'm sealed to Joseph Smith for, a, for time and eternity, right? And there may, must not have been any sex between Joseph Smith and Sylvia, and Joseph, Josephine is gonna be Joseph Smith though in eternity because they're sealed for eternity. Right? That's that's the eternal relationship is Joseph Smith the prophet and Sylvia Sessions. And so even if Joseph didn't have sex with Sylvia Sessions, any of her children with Windsor Lion (coughs) is Joseph's in the eternity. That feels like a stretch. That That feels like a stretch though. Mm -hmm. Right? If Sylvia is on her deathbed and she's telling Josephine, you're the daughter of Joseph Smith, and you're also not explaining it in a way that you leave it that ambiguous for a completely different meaning to be understood. Feels, that feels feels like a stretch. And I would simply say, like, the most rational, reasonable conclusion for me, and I, I don't want to point anybody to a certain way, is that Sylvia deeply believed that Josephine was Joseph Smith's daughter. So
2: I had, not to go off on a far, far side but was there any evidence of abortion? Um,
0: yeah, we get some second- and third-hand statements. Uh, isn't it Parley Pratt's wife? Sarah Pratt. Yeah, it's one of them. Uh, Martha Brothers. Yeah, think you get the comment from the wife of Brigham Young who wrote the expose, but there's there's rumors that John C. Bennett, who does proclaim yeah. to be a doctor but has zero medical training,
3: by the way, <laughs>
0: and John C. Bennett really comes into the Mormons and is fully accepted and welcomed with open arms, and he ends up like having relationships and practicing spiritual whiffery, and... But at the meantime, he's got kind of like a wife and children back in his hometown. <laughs> yeah. He's just a scoundrel.
3: Yeah.
0: And But there's lots of rumors that John C. Bennett is performing abortions in Nauvoo. Um, serious evidence? I don't think we have any. I don't think we have one drop of serious evidence other than third hand statements, second hand statements, multiple, you know, years and years later. And so I don't think it's fair to say absolutely. There were, yeah, there were abortions. I don't think so. So two years
3: ago, they're saying that they got evidence that such
4: Josephine, that she's
0: the daughter of Joseph? We know that from the very, when soon as she dies, like her daughter comes out and starts talking about that. I'm the daughter of Josephine.
3: The aha moment
0: two years ago ago is that Ugo Perigo, the geneticist, says that's wrong. Even though Sylvia Sessions says that Josephine is Joseph's daughter, it actually is her first (laughs) husband, Windsor Lyon. That's the genetic match.
4: Oh, this is Eddie
0: Is Windsor Lion. Which means oh, if, if Sylvia thought it was Joseph's kid and oh, the actually, Astral father's are Windsor, Joseph's they're so close. We have then, evidence, yeah. So, so now re- we, re- this is probably yeah. our strongest evidence of sexual polyandry occurring. a lot of those rumors. It's a book right here. Uh huh. Anything else on Sylvia Sessions? She's, she's really, in terms of Joseph Smith's polygamy, she's a part of the discussion simply because of this DNA research being done. Not that her story isn't important, it's just there's not a lot of drama there except for this. Any, anything else? OK, Nancy Winchester. Nancy's marriage to Joseph is undocumented, although Mormon church historian Andrew Jensen uh, according to Andrew Jensen, Nancy married Joseph sometime before his death in June of 1844. No, we got a question back here. Please. Where are the kids? He's sleeping with all the chicks. Where are the kids, man? Yes. So, <laughs> what's the story? I We have we have tons of evidence that Joseph is sleeping with these women, and yet we don't think. What's that? Ten to fifteen. Right. I believe, will be so there's 33 to 35 wives. And of those 33 to 35, 10 to 15, we have moderate to strong evidence that even our even our church scholars, Brian Hales, for instance, says when we get to um, Lucy Walker, which is, I think, the most fascinating story out of the whole group. When we get to Lucy Walker's story, he says there's strong evidence that there's a sexual dynamic. And he uses that word strong in several of these women's, um, in, in their lives, in their case.
2: So what do you say to the people that I always hear this argument like... Oh we're
0: getting out sex with someone who's too busy running a church. And running around. Yeah, I, I would I would ask any other you know, man running a church if he's not Some of them were sexual. I don't yeah, I don't mean yeah, to be rude, but there's because Brigham Young wasn't busy yeah, at all. Yeah, Brigham Young, yeah. Brigham Young's running a church too, right? right yeah. <laughs> Wilford Woodruff running a church. Right? So the, there is this paradox though, so, which is that <laughs> we know that almost certainly There is sexual intimacy occurring between Joseph and at least more, you know, 10 to 15 of these women. And yet we don't have a single child with Joseph Smith's DNA. And so that is a conundrum. Um, Part of us, part of us, we also have to recognize there are some modes of birth control, including, believe it or not, that there are prophylactics were invented long before the 1800s. And so... On some level, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that Joseph isn't sleep. If you have, if you have 30 women to sleep with, and, and by now you realize like when children, women get pregnant with children when they don't, right? Like you have kind of a good guess from that. Like you could choose to sleep with these women at the at a, at a more appropriate time as to not have pregnancy be likely.
4: Okay, but that totally defeats the whole point of polygamy. And multiply and replenish. Which
0: is another rule that Joseph breaks, right? Right. To multiply and replenish the earth. And we know that Joseph's fertile because Emma's pregnant all the time, right? Not all those kids live, but she's definitely getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And yet Joseph isn't having any posterity. So it's another conundrum we have to deal with, which is that polygamy is created to multiply and replenish the earth. Joseph's having lots lots of intimacy, and not a single birth that we have evidence of comes from that. And I think we've, we've studied every potential line, I think, for, except for one or two. Mm-hmm. And zero, zilch, as far as evidence for so any of these the children being Joseph Smiths. Not to
2: jump too far ahead, but
0: are you going to bring up William Law and Emma? Yeah, we can get to that a little later. That's, that's an interesting tangent to go down.
1: I'm excited about that. OK. <laughs> Sorry. What's that? Let's get to Lucy. Walker, All right, let's do, let's, well,
0: let's do it. Let's let's do Kimball first.
1: Yeah,
0: We're still <laughs> I think suffice it to say, Helmar Kimball is 14 years old. If you notice the LDS.org gospel topic essay, several months shy of her 15th birthday. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, that was 14. Can you picture picture whoever's writing that essay? They just couldn't bring themselves to put 14 on a piece of paper. Like, it's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Is there some other way I can write this, right? And it's, it's several months shy of her 15th birthday. Well, what's your advice? What's well, no?
4: The guy that wrote it said this is stupid. Right. He was told to by someone upstairs in the red chair.
0: Which, but that still tells you somebody was deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. With putting right. a 14-year-old into an intimate relationship or some kind of relationship with the Prophet Joseph Smith. But okay, with a 15-year-old. It cool, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in that year, Russ. Could have been several
6: months. I'm sorry, I don't know. You're asking. <laughs> I yeah, several. Yeah,
0: several. Um, essentially, Helen Mars, 14 years old, and and she writes often about yeah, the the, the angst of and turmoil of being married to Joseph, and even after he dies she kind of stops her life. She doesn't go out and remarry, and she doesn't she doesn't go to dances, she doesn't go to parties. She's kept home, and again, we don't know that the relationship was sexual, and I think you're leaping a little bit if you say, nope, it was. The evidence isn't necessarily there, but I would at least say that here's a 14-year-old girl, and I do want to at least read one little sentence. Um, Father asked, without any preliminaries, my father asked me if I would believe him if he told me that it was right for married men to take other wives. The first impulse was anger. These are her words. My sensibilities were painfully touched. I felt such a sense of personal injury and displeasure, for to mention such a thing to me I thought altogether unworthy of my father, and as quick as he spoke. I replied to him short and emphatically, no, I wouldn't. This was the first time I ever openly manifested anger towards him. Then he commenced talking seriously and reasoned and explained the principle and why it was again to be established upon the earth. See, it's, it's still going to happen.
3: Can
2: you we, read we gotta that?
0: get this, this principle going. What's that? Can you read that
2: one more time? That's her dad, right?
0: <clears throat> this is her dad. She goes, this was the first time that I ever openly manifested anger towards him. When, he, when Wilford or when um, Heber C. Kimball proposes this to her. Then he commenced talking seriously and reasoned and explained the principle and why it was again to be established upon the earth. This had a similar effect to a sudden shock of a small earthquake. Then Father asked me if I would be sealed to Joseph and left me to reflect upon it for the next 24 hours. That's another common theme you'll see in the Lucy Walker case is giving this timetable. And, and I'm Wherever you stand on these issues, I would simply say, is it healthy to take a young girl and to, to give her a time frame in which to make this kind of a decision? And there's also language in some of these cases as to almost be threatening to one's salvation if they don't, they don't accept this. And, and I would be sensitive to the level of what feels unhealthy and perhaps even this, as strong as a word like coercion going on in, in, in these cases. How old is was Joseph? Was 14. <coughs> Joseph was how old? Um, what's it? Do you know what year Helen Mar Mark Kimball's married to Joseph? She's uh, 42 or 43. Like and so, yeah, right I, Kimball, so do like you know offhand, Malcolm? So, OK, I didn't know if that. So Joseph was born in 1805, uh, 30, oh, 30, 30, 30, whatever, age. right? 30 years old. Died. So 36? So 36 years old. So 36 years old a 14 year old. And, and we... Within Mormonism, because we have to, like, wrestle with this polygamy thing, we like to come up with these ideas that if we go back into the 1830s, everybody was marrying young. But the reality is that's not the case. The average age 22. of marriage... Well, it depends on which study you look at because the frontier is a little lower. But you can find some studies that show the average age being as low as, like, 19.3. Most of the less than frontier areas are around the age of 22 or 23. But the lowest age we get kind of in those in any of those studies done from censuses is that it's about, in the frontier would be around 19 years old. The other thing is it's one thing to say there's a 14-year-old marrying a 19-year-old. Right. Mm-hmm. That would have been the normal kind of trend on these young marriages most of the time. It would have been extremely rare to find a 14-year-old girl and a 30-something-year-old man. And as we get past Joseph, Joseph's not the biggest difference when you get to some of these other later presidents of the church you're talking about as much as like 76 years old and 26 years old or 57 years old and 15 years old and so those that that difference that divide even gets bigger in the years following Joseph's death with the preceding prophets um After the 24-hour deadline, I was skeptical one minute, believed, and then doubted. I thought of the love and tenderness that he felt for his only daughter. I knew that he would not cast her off, and this was the only convincing proof I had of it being right. So her only evidence is that it's her dad, and she trusts him, and she loves him. And Heber C. Kimball's a good guy. And, um, And so she just takes his word for it. I knew that he loved me too well to teach me anything that was not strictly pure, virtuous, and exalting in its tendencies, and no one else could have influenced me at that time to accept a doctrine so utterly repugnant and so contrary to all former ideas and traditions. Um, And this is an important quote. This is what she also says. Having a great desire to be connected with the prophet Joseph, he, meaning her father, offered me to him. This I afterwards learned from the prophet's own mouth. My father had but one ewe lamb, But willingly laid her upon the altar, which gives you a sense of her heartache over over this experience. Anything else on Lucy Walker?
5: It was Kibble that he was
4: all upset because first he thought Joseph wanted his. Right, he he made Joseph believe that.
0: Yeah, and then Joseph said, "No, I was just testing your faithfulness."
4: Right. How about your daughter? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And, And the trouble is to be a fly on the wall and to hear those conversations. It, it makes you worry about the unhealthiness of what's going on there, but without being there, you can't draw those conclusions. You're you're left just to take these people at their words. How much?
5: time I don't know.
0: I don't know that. I don't know that. But yes, there. Yes, Joseph says I need to marry your wife. It's part of a revelation from God, and then Wilfer or Hebrew C. Kimball. I always mix the two of them up. Hebrew C. Kimball agrees, and then Joseph says it's just a test. So Joseph could have carried through with it, right? But he doesn't. It's one of the few cases that he doesn't, right?
6: Isn't Helen Markim the one who was later interviewed with everybody saying it was a marriage in every sense
0: of the word? Uh, no, that's mm-hmm. not Helen Um We can go through that later. I've got their testimonies in the Temple Walk case, too. Mm-hmm. So the next one is Elias Lucy Walker. Arsene. What's that? Elias R. Snowmate next to Thank you. Yeah, that's true.
1: Um,
0: Lucy Walker is the next one. I find this to be the most interesting story.
1: More so than Lucinda. I, this. <laughs> Where are you getting that account from?
0: Which account? What you just read. Uh, the Kimball girl. Um, again, oh, I'm, I'm getting all this information off the two websites I said to begin with, but each one of these quotes are footnoted to the sources at the bottom of the page.
5: Okay. Are they actual journals from the... Or, yes. They're, Helen Mar
0: Kimball kept a very good that journal. That was a journal yes. her
3: own
5: writing. Yes.
0: Okay. Anytime I tell you that's what they said, it's their own writing. Okay. It's not any kind of second-hand, no. It is their writing in their own in their own words. Um, so Lucy Walker, the story, this, I, I, I like to think I know everything about Mormonism. I like to think I've read everything and I've learned it all. There's nothing new that's going to present itself. And then every time I do that, right, you find I learn something new. Obviously. And I just discovered the depth of the Lucy Walker story about maybe eight or nine months ago. And it's, this was the one that just like, oh, I, I don't know if I could even, I can handle this. So the Walker family arrives in Nauvoo in the spring of 1841. That summer, Lucy's mother contracted malaria and died months later in January 1842, leaving 10 children. Her father, John, was heartbroken over the loss of his wife and his health deteriorated. Lucy remembers, this is, this is her own words again. So this is Lucy Walker's writing. The prophet came to the rescue. He said, If you remain here, Brother Walker, you will soon follow your wife. You must have a change of scene, a change of climate. You have just such a family as I could love. My house shall be their home. Place the little ones with kind friends, and the four eldest shall come to my house and be received and treated as my own children. The youngest of those four is Lucy Walker. And so I, I simply... And yes... This is one of those moments where I'm going to give you my own personal view. But it it seems odd that Joseph wants to send the six youngest children here, take the four oldest children with him, and it's that youngest of the four. So the that, mom
2: passed away. Yes, the mom okay, passed away from the So it's that dad with ten kids.
0: The da- yeah, so the dad with ten kids, and the dad is not doing good. He's, he's not handling it. He's, he's in deep grief, and he's not handling it well. And so Joseph comes along and says, you need a change of scenery. I'll send the six youngest kids to other people. I'll take the four oldest kids into my home, and I will take care of them as my own children. Are, are. they
3: all girls?
0: Yeah. No. There is the two, uh, two of them are girls. and two are boys. How old is Lucy? Uh, Lucy is 15 when this happens. She's
5: the youngest of the four. Yes.
0: Okay. She's the youngest of the four oldest. Of the four
3: oldest.
5: Right.
0: Um Joseph refers, he takes these daughters, when Emma and Joseph take these daughters out, Lucy says that they would introduce us as their daughters. The two the two daughters out of the four. And but within a few months of taking these kids into his home, promising the father to take care of his own children, sending the dad off on a mission. So now mom has passed away, dad is off on a mission. Joseph takes the four oldest kids with him, and and he's referring to them as his daughters. And he promises the father he will take care of them as his own children. Within a few months, he goes to Lucy and says, "I've been commanded to take you as a plural wife." He says, "I need you to go home and and to pray about this." And Lucy says she goes home and and she expresses this deep angst and anguish. Was this the flaming sword story? Mm. No, no. Um, he does
1: threaten her salvation, he, but not with the
0: plan. No, also. right? Yeah, there is a threat here coming, but but no, the, the sword is in like two or three of the cases, not in any of the rest of them. So it's it's a it's certainly an important issue to discuss, but it's not it's not in every one of these cases. Um, so Lucy Lucy is given essentially a night to go pray about it, and she speaks. If you read her journal, she speaks of the anguish. I could read the exact words she says.
1: Bill, before you read that, I'm uh, just having a micro uh, conversation back here. The Hartridge sisters came with an inheritance you forgot to yeah. bring up with.
0: Uh, their I I, I didn't come across that in the two sites that I had read no. the info. They came,
1: came
0: okay. with the eight or nine grand, that he had left, and that's uh, obviously a mean, Joseph ended up with that, he, Yeah. he oh, married wow. wow, he married out. Uh, I'll just leave that grin on my face, and I won't <laughs> <gonna> see. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's, and that's eight, not a know, name of that cow. eight thousand is a pretty good chunk for me today eight thousand yeah. and eighteen yeah you know it's a it's a considerable <laughs> amount um so I want to find here she says tempt this is her words tempted and tortured beyond endurance until life was not desirable oh that the grave would kindly receive me that I might find rest on the bosom of my dear mother why. Why should I be chosen from among thy daughters? Father, I am only a child in years and experience. No mother to counsel. No father near to tell me what to do in this trying hour. Oh, let this bitter cup pass. And thus I prayed in the agony of my soul. So that's her first night. She goes back to Joseph and says, I can't do this. And he says, why don't you go pray again? But this time I give you 24 more hours and the gate is closed against you after that. That's Joseph Smith's own words to her. Okay, so she goes back the second time. She, and this is what she said. She said, is it a, "This is what Joseph said to her. This is her recounting what Joseph said. It is a command of God to you. I will give you until tomorrow to decide this matter. If you reject this message, the gate will be closed forever against you." She goes. This aroused every drop of Scotch in my veins. I love that quote. I love that. Quote. <laughs> I felt at this moment that I was called to place myself upon the altar. As a living sacrifice, perhaps to brook the world in disgrace and to incur the displeasure and contempt of my youthful companions. All my dreams of happiness blown to the four winds. This was too much. The thought was unbearable. So then she goes back and to pray a second night. And she says in her own words she couldn't sleep the entire night. Now I'm going to ask you, how much do you think she slept the first night? (laughs) None. And she says herself she didn't sleep the second night. And so here you have this young lady and at this time she's 16 years old. You have a 16-year-old girl who's given these two 24-hour periods to seek out an answer, has no sleep. She gets an answer. And I want to honor like from her perspective, she says I received a spiritual answer, I know the principle's true and she ends up marrying Joseph Smith. But my struggle is as I as I look out across all the religions of the world, I see people have spiritual experiences in all of them. And I also know that when you have an issue of sleep deprivation and when you have religious pressure on you, there's been studies done, like people will tend to have more spiritual experiences in those situations. And so on one hand, I want to let, I want to Lucy, like let her words be hers and I don't want to take her spiritual experience away from her because she's telling me, who am I, who am I to say her experience isn't real, right? On the other hand, I want to recognize like there are lots of unhealthy dynamics in this situation. And and that it's at least on the table as an option that one could have a spiritual experience under that pressure that isn't exactly a real spiritual experience, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
3: Did Emma know about this relationship at this
0: time? Um, I don't get any information one way or the other on this particular one. Uh, but it, the evidence leads us to Emma only gave permission. In fact, one of the women testifies at Temple Lot that Emma only gave permission for four of the women. And it was actually the... Partridge sisters, and it was another set of sisters. Lawrence. Lawrence sisters. Sarah Lawrence and I know, right? It's, it's the Lawrence sisters. How
3: many total were there? <laughs> 33 to
0: 35 women. And only four? And only four that outside secondhand sources are claiming Emma was aware of.
2: Uh, so, all right. Um, I'm gonna, I kind of, this has nothing to do with nothing. But I kind of wonder, like, how many women actually just said no and walked away. Like, how many did he approach and like got rejected? Joseph, and he's kind of giving a run for, you know, Will Chamberlain a little bit. Okay,
0: jo- <laughs> <laughs> you know, Joseph has a tendency that once either a, he has his eyes on you, or two, the Lord's told him that that's one of the women he needs to marry. Joseph doesn't relinquish that easily. He'll come back a few years later and revisit that that young lady, and and essentially see if she's willing to enter plural marriage again. That happens in multiple cases here, uh, where she, where the woman will turn him down the first time, and you know he'll revisit the situation either the next day or sometimes four or five years later. Like
1: Henry Jacobs, are we gonna talk about this. Does anyone
0: know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Zena Huntington Jacobs is the next one. Yeah. <laughs> but, be, but, but one more thing before we get to her. My struggle with the Lucy Walker story is that one option is that Joseph is lying. That's one option. And if Joseph's lying, then what are the repercussions of that as he lies to Lucy about God commanding this relationship to take place? The other problem, though, is the other side of the coin. What if Joseph's telling the truth, and now I have to place faith in a God who takes a father-daughter dynamic because Joseph has promised to take care of her as his own child and refers to her as his daughter. And what God comes in and takes that dynamic and decides, like, no, 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 I get that this is father-daughter dynamic, but I want you to turn this into a husband-wife dynamic. And I am really I really struggle with that, having to make that decision. Because I either have a prophet that I can't live with or I've got a God I can't live with, and I'm still, to this day, wrestling with that that. Paradox that I'm put into, right? Because neither answer is really okay. Neither answer is acceptable if you want to be a believing Latter-day Saint. And those both become really difficult. And so even in this moment, like this story just pulls at my heartstrings.
3: Do you ever consider that Joseph maybe was deceived? And God wasn't
0: really telling you, but he. Made yeah. yeah, I think it's episode 167, <laughs> no, which is okay. which is. Uh, is that your podcast? What is it? <laughs> Handshakes and drawn swords.
3: Yes.
0: Which I would recommend everybody go back and listen to. Okay. Um, gotcha. I used that one at Sunstone, and it went over really well. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, I've, I've done an episode where I'm open to the idea that when an angel comes with a sword. <laughs> you're not asking to shake hands and yet Joseph has set out a test for angels of shaking hands Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and we don't have any record of Joseph testing the angel with the sword with a handshake Mm -hmm. and so we at least leave open that little crack of potential that Joseph never tested the angel and the angel wasn't from Heavenly Father Um, and so it leaves me a theological loophole Mm -hmm. to allow Joseph to still be a prophet and yet to be completely deceived on polygamy
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but if you're a prophet, would you <laughs> recognize a little bit? <laughs> or
3: would not God send out
0: another email?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
3: there you go. Yeah. I don't it know. doesn't speak well I for I God. God.
2: I can't even buy that
3: little. Come apologize. on. All
0: right, so let's get into any, any other questions? <laughs> <laughs>
3: you,
0: you guys wouldn't make very good apologies. <laughs> <laughs> What did you say? You wouldn't make a very good apologist. No. <laughs> no. Any other Any other thoughts on uh, Lucy Walker before we move on? Zena Huntington Jacobs. Around 1839, Zena begins courting Henry Jacobs. During the courting, Joseph Smith approaches her and directs her to enter into a plural marriage with him. She turns him down and she marries Henry Jacobs in 1841. Within months of her marriage to Henry, Joseph sent word to me. This is her quote. Quote, Joseph sent word to me by my brother saying, tell Zena, I put it off and put it off till an angel with a drawn sword stood before me and told me if I did not establish this. See, here we are again. I've got to establish this principle. And there's already multiple wives behind him. And so what does it mean to establish a principle? Is it is does she think she's the first woman being approached? Um, If I did not establish that principle upon the earth, I would lose my position and my life. Now, Joseph's not threatening her salvation, but he's putting the guilt on her that if she doesn't agree to this, his salvation's on the line, right? Joseph further explained that the Lord, this is quote, her words, the Lord had made it known to him she was to be his celestial wife. Zina chose to obey this commandment and married Joseph on October 27th. Over the next few years, Henry sent on was sent on several missions to Chicago, Western New York, and Tennessee. Just get him out of the way.
3: Yeah.
0: What, regardless of what your feelings are, again, this is either a prophet or a god who sends the first husband away while this is all kind of going on. Do
2: we have evidence of intimate relations
0: with her and Joseph? Oh yes. Yeah. There's. There's. And, 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 and it gets more interesting. It gets more interesting. I not make a good
4: apologist either. (laughs) Uh,
0: So Zena marries him on October 27th. Over the next few years, Henry was sent on several missions. We talked about that. Shortly after Joseph Smith's death, Zena married Brigham Young in May of 1846. And again, Henry sent on another mission to England. In Henry's absence, Zena began to live openly as Brigham's wife and remain so throughout her life in Utah. The sad thing is Henry's heart is broken. Like he has a testimony of the church he has a testament to the church, but he continually writes his wife while he's out on these missions, and he just bears his soul like, like this is so hurting me, but I'm willing to support the leaders, and I know the church is true, but this just breaks my heart. And so we have these letters, and, and they're just, they're heart-wrenching, uh, because he loved her. I mean, this is this young relation, you know, that just develops into a marriage, and all of a sudden, both Joseph and then Brigham Young swoop in, and and this is they're t- they're taken off to them, and we know yeah we know definitely we'll bring them, and even to some extent with Joseph there's a sexual dynamic to these relationships.
1: Right. So Russ, Russ, has she, a
0: question back here. He just Let me get her real quick, then we'll
1: get okay, Russ. She, she marries okay, them both
0: okay.
4: Joseph with Ember.
0: After Joseph dies. After Joseph's Joseph's death, she's married to Brigham Young, and then Brigham sends him back on a fourth mission. And
2: yes, and he he keeps going on the mission.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Again, I would simply like say, like, like on some level, I have to honor that this guy had a real testimony.
3: Yeah. And,
0: and as much as we're sitting here in 2018, going, this just doesn't feel right. Henry is dedicated to the church, and as much as this breaks his heart, his first, um, his first level of obedience is to God and to what he believes God is giving him through the restoration. Okay, Russ, your question.
1: Yeah, so, so Zina, right?
0: Zina is sure. So, I'm not, I'm not great with that kind of stuff, but okay. So she, so she's got this man who's yes. worthy, who's serving missions, who. Got to be an elder, right? Got to be an elder who can who can live with her forever
1: in a celestial realm. If they were sealed, yes. If they, so why why wouldn't they be permitted to be sealed if he meets if he checks all the boxes? So why first off, and then Brigham. Yeah. Why, why is he not good enough?
0: First off, many of these relationships incur before there's a Nauvoo temple and a sealing. So, time-wise, there's not necessarily room yet for these ceilings to be taking place. Number two, in this situation specifically, Joseph doesn't wait long after the marriage takes place to go to Zina and to make her aware that he's imposing that God has spoken to him and that that a plural marriage needs to take place. And so, these women, while married to these first husbands, are almost, almost, not all the time, because some of these marriages with Joseph are for time only, but in the cases of these women already being married, most of these relationships were for eternity. And so, so Zina's sealed to Joseph Smith, not to her other husband. And that's true with most of these polyandrous relationships. They're married to the love of their life for mortality and to Joseph Smith for all eternity. But,
4: What's Henry but she was, there There is evidence of... You know,
0: sex. I don't even know that he oh, she moves him to bring him. I mean, at, run, at least. But she's only married to him for eternity. But she's having sex with him during time. Sure.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 what's well, what while, while
4: he, what's that? What's Henry's last name? Jacobs. Oh,
0: Jacob. While he's on missions, right? Well, that's
4: a good question. I, no, I just, I, I think I'm not sure, but Henry comes to Utah and lives. Mm-hmm. He never remarries. No.
0: He's still faithful to his wife. <laughs> they, have two children. they have two
4: children. And
0: she'll sometimes go stay with him for a little bit, but yeah. but most of the time she's now living to Brigham Young. Right, and
4: she becomes the, the favorite wife or the public wife of Brigham Young. And later, well, at
0: maybe one point in Brigham's life, who's the wife he brings here to southern Utah, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is his young wife. She's a nurse. She takes care of him in his old age he leaves all the other wives in Salt Lake City he brings his he brings his doctor nurse young wife with him and they stay here in the Southern Yeah, Utah Amelia
4: Folsom came
0: yeah. here Yeah Marianne And at that time that's his favorite wife Amelia
3: yeah. do, do we have a picture
0: do we have a picture of.
3: She's
4: got to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. last name designed?
0: I'm, okay. I'm going to be honest. I have a hard time. I, I think. <laughs> so I'm a dude and I, I think like that, right? Like these guys had to be just gorgeous women. But you're in the frontier. Yeah. Time, time has a different effect on you. And most of these photographs are later in life.
4: Right, right. I'll so yeah.
0: I have a real hard time picturing any of them as. When
4: well, Mark Twain, didn't Mark Twain say that anyone who would marry one Mormon woman was a Saint and if they'd married more, they should have their exaltation or something. And <laughs> Mark Twain made it pretty clear that the Mormon women weren't that attractive.
2: Yeah, but they didn't have any Mary Kay back then. Yeah. <laughs> what last name? Did you know the
4: she picture of her? Yeah, look, look. Is this is her name, Dinah yeah. Diantha Huntington yeah. Jacob Smith. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she went by all those names. That's what she's listed on. Well, she's listed on the church on
0: the website. as just Zina D. Young. Which is another neat dynamic is that many of these plural wives end up being the second, third, fourth relief society presidents of the church. It's also interesting to note that Emma is the first Relief Society president and she is there, we have we have Boy, some yes. sources of her <laughs> as a young See, I, just, hey, hey. I just don't know.
3: She's too classy. classy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a six <laughs> um, Emma is calling counselors in a relief society presidency right. and she is venting at times to these women about how much she distests polygamy. Meanwhile, these women are plural wives of Joseph yeah. Smith. And they're not telling Emma. They're her counselors in the Relief Society presidency, oh, just, yeah. and they're poor wives of Joseph, and she doesn't know it. And so she's, she's like, I can't believe my husband's doing this. She's telling these women. She's venting. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're not saying a word, and they're sealed <laughs> to Joseph Smith. Okay, I'm really confused still. I got to go back to
3: this beautiful lady here.
5: Um, she, what was her first husband?
0: Henry James. Henry,
5: did they get divorced? No. 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 So how did that? How is that legal? to be married to a Young? Well, none of this is legal. We is
0: legal. None of this is legal. Yeah, we, we left legal in like 1885, Legal. Right. Okay, you're right. Not legal. But how, how can you? Because the way the church, the way the church would frame this in the theology is that she's married to Henry for time, for mortality, and she's sealed to Joseph Smith for all eternity. Okay. But
2: then, why'd have to get married to oh, Brigham Young?
3: Yeah.
2: Brigham right. is yeah. Because Brigham oh, Young lonely.
0: Because
3: she. Brigham yeah. <laughs> I'll leave
2: hey. you
0: to decide Brigham Young's motives <laughs> it's a, it's and what Which number
3: was she of Brigham
0: Young? Do you know what number? Brigham's married to like 47 women. I mean, it's. So, so the, you know, as a faithful member, how do you reconcile all this? In DNC 132, it also says, oh, I think
4: it's hilarious, it says. The Lord
0: says my house is a house of order. Right. <laughs> no <laughs> um, <laughs> seems order here. Right. So the question is how do I reconcile polygamy and I and I don't. Um, I don't know if I'm a I am do not know if I'm allowed to say it. Like there's some there's some uh, awareness that among the leadership it's it's not really approved to say like I just disavow some section of the DNC. But I personally can't accept Doctrine and Covenant section one thirty two. I uh, everything I see in polygamy is like 3% positive and like 97% negative. What's the positive? Where's the three? Yeah, what's the three? I'll get back to you. The word wisdom is by
1: way of greeting, not comment.
0: I will say this. If you take polygamy out of Mormonism, you have a lot of cancerous knots to every other piece of our theology that also may have to go.
1: Like
0: what? Uh, like eternal families. Uh, our only our only real definitive statement of eternal families is also section 132. So if you completely toss out 132 you're going to have to reconcile some of the other things you're going to have to lose. And when you look at much of our temple theology today um, much of our theology around God it, it all goes back to a cancerous knot with polygamy. So it might all ruin up. Right. And so you're, I think you're going to have a hard time seeing the church disavow 132. I think your best hope is that the church doesn't currently practice polygamy mortality and so on some level you may see them take 132 out and just say it's not it's not important to us right now, like we did with old section 101.
3: Aww. why are you doing that? Chris, tell
0: us Chris, tell us her story. <laughs>
1: Let's be good. I'm still recording. What's the story, Chris?
0: This was terrible. I could come up with a few things, but I'm not going to say a word. OK. I
4: have a question. I don't
1: know if you guys noticed how many of the same names, though, are appearing on the list for breaking Young: Mary Elizabeth rollins Leitner.
0: Emily, Emily, Partridge. yeah, yeah. He took them over. Brigham is married to a bunch of Joseph's plural wives after not his death. It. No, because only one sealing.
3: Right, so he just took care of them.
0: Right, one. A woman can only be sealed to one man. Now, a man can be sealed to lots of women. Oh, of course. Now that seems. <laughs> okay, but that's my question. But that's I, equal but different. But
4: Catherine. what about <laughs> the story that he came to Emma and said? I mean, isn't there isn't that story out there that there was a point where he came to Emma and said that, that if she wanted to take another husband,
0: which is William Law, yeah. so
4: yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just
0: about she. In fact, there's a statement, but it's it's couched in ambiguity. Where where, okay, Chris, Joseph Smith gives Emma for a short time period a window in which she can be with William Law intimately. That's, that's Again, I don't want to say the evidence is strong, but that's what some critics argue. And there is one statement somewhere where it talks about this, this time period and the Lord takes it back. Like whatever this opportunity Emma has, the Lord takes it back. But it's not spelled out definitively what that is, and so it's conjecture again that that's what's going on. What was
4: that in a letter to Emma?
0: I don't know. I think it's actually 132 maybe where that statement mm-hmm. is, in is in there. 132
1: yeah. and the other oh, that is, you're right. Like it's the verse 56 or something, right Frank? Um, 58, something like that? I can't Geez. tell that. Look at that. Um, it's, it's, well, I good that. It's where, in 132,
4: it's where the Lord is saying, is you know, I give, it to you, or give what I've given right. to you. And, and in William Clayton's that. journal, he records, you know, that Emma says, hey, William Law is this right. sexy little man. And
0: you know, Joseph, if you can do it, I can do it. That's or and yeah. Matt Palmer explains Some, that. Yeah. Yeah. But but the yeah, evidence right. is, is slightly lacking and it would be right. it would be unfair to draw that as an absolute conclusion.
4: Yeah. I'm yeah. out of here.
2: No. Right. Yeah, sure. Is.
0: And and there's also indication that Joseph was open to William Law's wife as well.
2: <coughs>
0: so Russ you got a question? Well maybe I don't want to take you off track. No, take me off track. I just I just don't accept one thirty two, but I'm lucky and that I'm privileged and live in two thousand eighteen where I really don't have to accept one thirty two as a as an issue of mortality anyway. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? How does the
1: church reconcile? how does how does Brian Hales reconcile? Um,
0: um there's lots of arguments from apologists. Brian would argue that, in some way, Joseph is keeping the rules. I don't know how that, what I don't know. The, oh, so the, the rules, rules of 18. I mean the rules of 132 is she has virgin, to be approved by the wife. She has to have the wife's permission. And a virgin. And, ha- and it's for multiplying and replenishing the earth. <laughs> so it's
2: too free the revelation.
0: I know, but if you ask Brian Hales, Brian has a way in which he reconciles well, that. Brian that Hales needs a peepstone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he has one. That's so, how you it. <laughs> I, but some apologists say that Joseph was given an exception to the rules. Some of the FLDS groups in the Centennial Park and the other polygamous breakoffs argue that Joseph was given an exception. He's the exception to the rules. Yeah. Um, he is the law. He's giving the law straight from God. Who will be to the challenge? Say? Right. Langley. But I think any room of rational again none of us are rational I think we need to understand it too we all have to be reasonable rational beings none of us are but if we're trying to be rational and reasonable I think we at least would grant like it doesn't seem like Joseph's keeping any of the rules of 132
1: so, so he was a prophet and he's a fallen prophet is that what you're saying? no
0: I'm not saying that I'm I, I'm open to him being deceived I'm open to polygamy not being from God I'm open to Joseph Getting a commandment from God and enacting it in lots of ways that were more mm-hmm. the mind of man than, you know, with some sexual desire and. So you're saying
1: after a night with one of his plural wives, he, lies, he can go the next day and get revelation from God and you can accept
0: that? I'm saying that this gets really messy. <laughs> <laughs> you're wanting to hold me to a definitive statement and I'm saying like there's a you know, thousand, yeah. there's yeah. a yeah. thousand yeah. possibilities. And is it? And there's one that gets you in trouble. <laughs> um.
2: So knowing all the break yeah. <coughs> what, what's your thoughts on Denver Snuffer, where they disavow him? Yeah, he
3: disavows him.
0: If there ever comes they go,
2: They go, they say, that part's not true. He was a fallen prophet, so let's go this way.
0: If there ever comes a day, but I like
2: the wine of sacraments. I did. Sure. They
0: do. If there ever comes a day that I walk away from Mormonism and its prophets, I'm not looking for another one.
3: Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly.
0: So sure. I, I'm not. I'm not looking for Denver Snider. But what about community and like that?
2: Yeah, I, I, I remember I like because sure. that's like a big deal to me. It's like sure, but I don't think. Like, I, mean, I like I guess, going to my mom's ward because I know all the people. Yeah. I know the neighborhood.
0: It's like, Mormonism cute. does community really well.
3: Yeah,
0: we do. Now, we could argue whether that's a... Healthy community. An, ethno- <laughs> an ethnocentric community that only welcomes you if you fit in the tribe. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: And, and if those relationships are deeper than that ethnocentricity. Like, the moment you don't fit, are you really their friend and are you really in that community? We could debate that. Yeah. But I think on a... <coughs> On a black-and-white paradigm, Mormonism does community like no other religion in the world. Exactly.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I would argue is one of the positives for Mormonism, especially when you're in an earlier stage of development. Right.
4: Yeah. So do garments go back? Is it? Did I understand that right, that garments were the first sign that this is who's living polygamy? That's why we originally started wearing garments, was yes. who was being married
0: and The polygamy. secrecy of the temple was used hand-in-hand <laughs> hand with the secrecy of polygamy.
4: So all the people who... So we still wear garments, but it has nothing... People don't realize that that's where garments started, was going back to polygamy.
0: Right. I'll only go as far as to say, like, those involved in polygamy are the huge chunk of those early folks who were endowed in the temple. And again, I, I won't say that they're... One is the cause and one's the effect. I, I would simply say that they're interwoven.
4: And the fact that he wasn't wearing garments when he died is a pretty good sign that he was trying to give up. Correct? Not correct?
0: Um, too big a wearing you, you can, yeah, I mean, there's some quotes that lead to that. There's other quotes that, you know, I don't know. I, it, it's summer, it's hot. For some reason, is, Joe, you know, is there an excuse there? Maybe it's hot and he takes them. I don't know. I don't want. To, I don't want to put my foot down and say here's why he took you do did Can you write that on. in
4: a letter telling the twelve stop wearing um,
0: your garments? Um, I think we get that from Brigham. I don't think we have it like, in <coughs> Joseph Smith's words. And I think we may have it from another source, but I don't know that off the top of my head. But yes, there is a source right. for Joseph telling the, all the leaders to take their garments off. And there's also other sources, and maybe the same one, that point to Joseph saying, like, I'm done with this I'm polygamy with stuff. Polygamy. Yeah.
4: But you're saying it's not that inclusive. No.
0: This is all fuzzy. I mean, this yeah. thing is so secret. Even Emma doesn't know, right? It's so secret that the documents... In fact, I think it's Brian Hales who says that, like, 85% of what we know about Joseph Smith's plural marriage comes from the Temple Lot case. And if that case doesn't happen, we are lacking right. so much data. On, on what Joseph Smith's polygamy was and looked like. Um, I'll just simply say Eliza R. Snow, I, I think we at least need to mention her because of how well-known she is within Mormonism for being a poetess, for writing the hymns, wrote the hymn, Oh My Father. Uh, she's married to Joseph. She's also one that when Joseph dies, she gets married to Brigham Young. Um, Emma's, I don't want to say a lot about Emma. I, I want to simply like pour my heart out and say like she had the hardest lot in this whole thing. And I was raised in a Mormonism that told me to look down upon Emma because she stayed behind and she wasn't faithful. And, and I would argue that she may have been the most faithful saint in the entire church. I agree. And that she put up with a lot and that there's a lot of unhealthy dynamics in how this all worked out with her. Um, anyway, I... Uh, but it also should be noted that she's the 23rd wife sealed to Joseph Smith. Right? She's his first wife, but she's the 23rd woman sealed to him. And she likely thought she was somewhere in like 2, 3, 4, 5. But she
4: wasn't. Oh, I bet you. For people who don't know, can you give a quick synopsis of the Temple Lock case, Bill?
0: Yes. Um, this happens in the, I think it starts in 1891. Um, there's an interesting court case where the Community of Christ formerly the Reorganized Church of Ooh, Jesus Christ said, that would be Joe Smith III
2: and Signe he, one.
0: he joins them for a short time but he's bouncing around about as much as Martin Harris is he joins <laughs> you know like, so he's um, dead by what's that he's dead, by yeah, he's dead by this time so 1891 <clears throat> in the very spot in Missouri where Joseph Smith dedicates the actual spot of the temple that is like Lot 98 in this land, deed, And the temple lot, which is a break-off, owns this exact spot exactly. where the temple is going to be built and Jesus is going to come back. Garden of Eden. Yeah, well, close by, yes.
2: Mm.
0: And where Adam on, you know, all that stuff's in this area. But where the actual temple and where Jesus is going to return is this, like, spot in the ground. And the temple lot owns that. And the reorganized church owns a big chunk <clears throat> of it, but not that exact spot. And so they're fighting over this land because whoever owns this land is the rightful heir to the true church because this is where the temple is going to be. And it's like a...
5: Down the rock mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. I'll use a cleaner
0: word. It's like a peeing match, right? Like whoever owns that spot of land can be like, we're the true church because look, we own the temple spot. So there's this court case. And the reorganized church has more influence. And the LDS church wants to demolish the reorganized church. And the reorganized church holds the paradigm that Joseph didn't practice polygamy at all. So it benefits the LDS church to send witnesses to this court case to help the temple lot out, not because they like the temple lot group, but because they hate the reorganized church. So they send these women, they go find the women who have had an intimate relationship with Joseph Smith during bring his mortality. Him bring them young, gathers these women up and sends them out to the temple lot case. And bring them, when does Brigham die? 1877. So this
4: is after Brigham. This is, this is after Brigham. They send Joseph F., who is yes. a counselor <clears throat> in the First Presidency, and the cousin to
0: Joseph III. Right. the Third. Right. cousins are yes. picking it out in court. Because they're both fighting over who's the true church? My guy Why, is, does,
4: my why does polygamy help them get the win? Beca- because if
0: and all, all the LDS church wants to do is see the RLDS church lose, Right. And so if they can send witnesses that demonstrate that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy, then the RLDS's church claim of authority is gone. Do you understand? If if the RLDS church is fighting the temple lot, and the RLDS church holds as one of its pillars that Joseph Smith did practice polygamy, if you can send witnesses and prove that Joseph did, you've destroyed their case. And so they send these women to testify that Joseph Smith had intimate relationships with them. Some of the women describe their relationship as carnal intercourse, that did no. Did you guys sleep together? Yes, sir. Yes, Your Honor. It was, it was carnal intercourse. Some of the women uh, testified. Did you? Were you Joseph's wife? Yes, in very deed. Some of the women. Where can we read s- up on this? Oh, uh, I can here. hand you the document, and, and we can go through it if you want. Won court
4: case. What's that? Who won the court case?
0: Uh, Temple Lot, I think, well, California, it didn't It, it? was. The, it went to
4: two. It was. It went to two cases. The first case went to the Reorganized Church. And then it was appealed. Appeal. Mm-hmm. And the temp it was actually, there was 74 acres there that William Partridge bought in 1833 that was the temple lot. And then it was divided up between the reorganized church and the Hedrickite church or the temple lot church. And they got the temple lot. I even think the LDS church, we got part of it.
1: And that's where our <coughs> ministry
5: started. Is that or mm-hmm. the Derry Queen Temple is?
4: For the Dairy Queen Temple. right, And that's, that's theirs. But it, it went back and was appealed. And it was overturned by appeal on the whole company. The premise behind the case was who is the true successors of Mormonism? Is it right. the Brighamite group or is it the Josephite group? Right. Those are the two big factions. And the, you know, polygamy is this is the most famous thing in the United States then, and it's hated. And, the, and that's why they re- reorganized
0: church thinks We're the true descendants of Mormonism because we don't practice polygamy. Those, it's those guys out in Utah. Right, and Joseph Smith never did that. Brigham started yeah,
4: that's, Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. where the case
0: is. And so Brigham has his credibility on the line, and the church has his credibility on the line, <laughs> And so Joseph S. Smith sends sends these women out to testify.
4: Marches these women in there and they say, "Oh no 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 no, the Joseph did practice polygamy because I was there." Right. Okay. So what if? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're fine.
0: No, okay. The option you're what
2: if, what if the women were lying? Right. And they were sent to lie. Yeah,
0: that's the argument that's made that mm-hmm. Joseph didn't practice polygamy, right? But I would suggest Lindsay Hansen-Park in her podcast, Europe Polygamy. I'm
2: friends with we'll her on Facebook.
0: Three episodes back, she does a podcast where she interviews two scholars who go through all the contemporary data from Joseph's life and demonstrably show that we have enough evidence in Joseph's contemporary when, when life. Which
2: podcast is that? It's uh, three
0: episodes back. I, I don't know offhand. You can, if anybody wants to pull out their podcast yeah, app on their phone. But you'll see it. It's a two-part episode, part two specifically. But you got to go through part one and two. They pull out every piece of contemporary evidence. the name of
2: it?
0: No, but you'll you'll know right from the title that that's what they're talking about. You say about.
2: it was three podcasts back or one of the first three? No,
0: three episodes ago.
2: Oh, Okay, so just current. Yeah,
0: it's three weeks ago or something. Oh wow. Um, it's a 2 parter and. Using contemporary sources, it's demonstrable that Joseph's having intimate relations with some of these women. I'll give you a couple of the Temple Lott testimonies. Mm -hmm. Melissa Lott testified under oath that she was Joseph's wife, quote, in the very deed. Um, Emily Partridge testified point blank to, quote, carnal intercourse, unquote. Um, Joseph Noble was interviewed on the stand about Louisa Beeman. Uh, I know it, for I saw him in bed with her. Um, and then she s- she said, I lived with the prophet Joseph as his wife, and he visited me at the home of my brother Benjamin. Um, the interesting
4: thing about this is, can you imagine, because you've got Joseph
0: Jr. and David and Alexander sitting there, and their mother has told them nothing right.
4: about the
0: She's denied it to them. And
4: all these women are coming in oh, saying, boys, yep, right. we did it. Mm. and we wonder why so many of them had emotional problems right?
0: yeah. and there were like 11 to 13 women by the way who go to the temple lot case to testify and I tried to find a, a, a list of those but I couldn't find that even on all the there's just not a whole lot of research on the temple lot and the actual case is like 17,354 pages and I wasn't about to sort through that um, I'm trying to think offhand. there was something else with the temple lot case
4: so One interesting um, thing about it is uh, the attorneys for the reorganized church asked the judge to tell Joseph F. Joseph F. Smith to shut up because he kept coaching the witness.
0: Yeah, they would look to him for what answer so they're I supposed to give.
4: To how to do it, and I think they—I don't know if they moved him out of the room, but they asked him to shut up. Yeah. Because he would tell them how to and coach the witnesses.
0: And you can sense, if you read the transcript, you sense the tension in the room because are. these women. You are. You are. You know, they're in in a way like their purity's on the line too, in terms of how these lawyers and what the judge you know how everything's being looked at. So they're really there's a tension as they answer each question and they only want to give the very basic answer that they can give and when they're when they're pushed to expound on that, they're very resistant almost almost to a T. Um, but anyway, the Temple Law case, again, we know there's 11 to 13 women or so that go out there and testify uh, that there was sexual relations between Joseph um, and, and these women. Um, the only thing I've got, if you guys are interested, you're welcome to walk up here and look through it. I've got each of these women named and just a brief little... Tidbit on the evidence of, of the sexual dynamic, if you want to flip through those. Um, but otherwise, guys, that's all I've got, and I'm happy to answer. Please, When's I'm happy to any questions.
2: What's that? When's the next party?
0: Uh, <laughs> let's do it at your house, Wade. Yeah, okay, right. It's a smaller place. Let's do it. Uh,
2: Announce tomorrow to this group.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love that if you want, Wade. Yeah. And then we'll do q and A. Q&A. Go ahead. Sure. Feel free sure. Um... Well,
5: Trump's <laughs> information. Uh, I outrun the post group. We made this Sunday every month, and uh, this is the second Sunday tomorrow. It's at 2 o'clock. Uh, we usually have around 40 to 50 mm-hmm. people. I've uh, had a few more now last month for Bill. Um, next
4: month. So it's a good group. The next month you're having John.
5: Next John, Del- uh, yeah, next uh, month will be uh, John DeLand. Oh, wow. Uh, he's down here anyway doing his retreat, so we uh, grabbed a hold of him and he's going to uh, address our group uh, one month from now. And then in March we have the Mama Dragons yes. scheduled. Right
0: now, I'm it working on, on. Uh, Jeremy Rollins to come down. I don't know. I don't know. Which anyway, so we we'll always try to bring in some, some really interesting people. people. Awesome, my friend. So that, that's the post Mormon group. And then, information information. and then the active Mormon group like, meets Sundays
4: huh? get your email
0: at your local ward <laughs> building.
4: I was just I have
0: are. no idea. I got
6: a question sure. to ask the answer. It's kind of a comment. Please. question. absolutely. Okay. First of all, we talked about all these sealings. How about the sealings of families? When did that begin? Sure.
0: You're asking a question. I can I'm not. Answer it. Okay. okay. Please. And laugh. we <laughs> talk that.
6: about how, how wonderful it is to be sealed as families. Yes. Yeah. Joseph Smith's families weren't sealed. Brigham Young's families weren't sealed. John Taylor's families weren't sealed. They were finally sealed when it got down to Wilford Woodruff. And he said, I don't know how he received it, but anyway, it's time to start sealing families together. Yeah. Be- before that, take, for example, John D. Lee. Who was he sealed to? Brigham Young, to ride right. his coattails into heaven. That's right. He wasn't sealed to was his own family. Yeah. Right. So just for interest. Yeah, See, you people wonder. talk about how important these sealings are, and yet the first three uh, prophets of the church... Didn't enforce it or do it or whatever you want to call it. We're the first. I'll be saving the St. George Temple. That I can't get. Yes.
0: yes. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. I
5: would like more information on the garments
0: and Yeah. If you want information on the garments, I would recommend Devery Anderson's book, The mm. Development of the Temple, is the title of the book. Something along those lines. It's a very thick book, but I promise you, it is one you will not sleep while reading. We'll it is, say, we'll it is say say a page turner. Development of the Temple. Yeah. Devery Anderson's the author. If you type on Amazon, go Devery Anderson. You should find it right away. V-E-V-E-R-Y, I believe. Development of the Temple. It's, a, it's got an orange cover, and it's just a thick book, and it's an absolute page-turner. You will be amazed at how much each leader thinks like, oh, we have to hold this ground, the temple can't change, the garments can't change, and then the next guy changes another,
6: it. Another thing I'd like to ask or comment on is, you mentioned the 34 or 35 wives or whatever it is. I don't, don't the essay say? And I know this is a little ambiguous. But don't the essay say that he had up to 41 or something?
0: Yeah, but and once then, you get past 33 or 35, it becomes really hard to tie those together. I understand that. Hard to tie down. Yeah, but I, don't, I just
6: think I, if I heard Alexa in the background talking. I don't know. Just
0: right there. Yeah, just I mean, the security, security
6: system. The Alexa, I asked my Alexa how many uh, wives Joseph Smith had. Me? She says 51. <laughs>
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> Alexa's drawing a lot more conclusions than <laughs> even the critics draw. <laughs> that, I <I'm>
6: that is <laughs> yeah, she yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Todd Compton in Sacred Loneliness says our best evidence is 33 to 35, and it gets really difficult to tie any kind of connection after that.
6: It's also difficult to tie in. Uh, Marriages, ceilings, yeah. one-night stands, you know, all these uh, things. Yeah, <laughs>
0: right. yeah. Any, any kind of relationship is a ceiling in early Mormonism. <laughs> yeah.
6: well, I was just going to
5: you know, talking about ceilings, uh, I think cities have become so confusing.
3: Because we know now that uh,
5: a woman can be sealed to two men, or three men. So it's almost the point
0: where we don't know what we're doing. We're just going to seal everybody to everybody. We'll let God sort it out. That, I think that would be a much friendlier policy. And there are exceptions made where a woman does get a second ceiling, but it's super rare, and you got to have the first presidency's approval, and it's not an easy thing to get. Like two
3: sealings at the same time?
0: No, like, time? like if her husband dies,
3: uh-huh.
0: the, the normal theology of the church is she's just out of luck. And the next guy she marries would be for time only. But there are a few cases of people appealing and getting permission to have a second ceiling as a woman. It's just not the norm. Yeah, it's not the norm. There are a few exceptions made very rare and far apart from each other. How do you know it's that rare? Because there's very little on record of any of it. So it's either kept very well secret by faithful members of the church, or it's rare. I, I would guess it's more rare than the second anointing. Which I'm not First supposed to talk about, garage I guess. Thing.
3: I'll <laughs> garage
0: door. cut that part out of the audio. You might have to cut a lot of one
2: actually.
0: Any other questions? Yes, Catherine. I just
3: have a comment. i I read a lot of statements just that were made and how evil monogamy was during the practice of polygamy. A lot of the prophets just just bashed oh. monogamy. And that was the most they, simple,
0: yeah. horrible thing. And the, and now we're so tied into monogamy that you well, know, Isn't it weird? As a church yeah, that totally, says that there's a traditional definition of marriage between a one man and one woman, right. we're the same faith who didn't have a traditional definition of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. We
5: still, we still, we still
0: Sure.
3: Right, just eternal. Yeah.
0: But you, you can tell that leadership is uncomfortable with it, yeah. that they would just rather not talk about it. It's, it's just, it's often the periphery, and we'd rather, we just kind of don't even want to get close to the with a 10 foot pole. And you can tell, like, our manuals are designed to avoid it. Um, all the things in our church are designed, mechanisms in our church are designed to avoid discussions of polygamy. It's a very uncomfortable subject, one, because there's a lot of unhealthiness there if we start talking about it. Just the things we pointed out tonight, for instance. And at the same time it's so interwoven that we can't we can't get rid of it. And so we just kind of keep it way over there and don't pay a lot of attention to it intentionally.
3: And we treat the polygamous sex horribly. Yes. And they've come from they they hold those same beliefs and we're
0: so it, horrible. And they really have a valid claim in that if you know the history of the church, John Taylor claims that he was visited by Jesus in eighteen eighty six. It's a revelation that was never canonized, but we have the document, and John Taylor says that Jesus says to him, John my son uh, you know, something along the lines of like, hear what I have to say and then John Taylor writes down what Jesus is telling him and the words are that the new and everlasting covenant shall never be done away that no matter what pressure is applied that it has to stay forever and I am the Lord and I command in all things and and so what Wilford Woodruff does is he issues the manifesto is he tells the Saints, essentially, like, you guys go off to Canada. You go to Mexico. You go over here in this spot in the United States. Keep practicing polygamy. And once the government comes around, we'll go back to it. And now, a president two later, you have Joseph F. Smith. And now it's really starting to become, like, polygamy is not what we're doing. And now all these people are over in these places doing what they were commanded by a previous prophet to do. And they're just hung out to dry. And so they really have a valid claim of authority, and we as a church don't talk a whole lot about John Taylor's 1886 revelation for good reason. <laughs> I was told, I don't know, at the, the, uh, the FLDS Church, that's where
5: they get their um, validation for continuing the polygamy and the line of the priesthood through that John Taylor. Is yeah, that correct?
0: I, we, we know the John Taylor revelation. Even Fair Mormon says it's likely a uh, historically valid document. But you also have these groups because the first guy who really starts talking about it is a guy by the last name of Wooly. I think John Wooly. John C. Wooly. Yeah, and and John's kind of um, he's a little crazy, and and so he's not a good guy to have as the forefront of that conversation. But he's the one saying like I was there, I was outside the door, and there was a light below the door, and I could hear multiple people talking, even though John Taylor's the only guy in the room. And so it hurts the credibility of that conversation by pointing to Woolley as the as the witness. But the reality is that we have John Taylor's document, and the early leaders of the church were aware of that document, and they just wanted nothing to do with it. You can read it. You can go online right now and see an image yeah, of the document to read it. I,
4: you also have John Taylor Jr. who got excommunicated. JOHN W. Taylor. You guys aren't using right. the document, but right. my father
0: Goes to a disciplinary court, pulls it out of his back pocket, throws it on the table, and the other brethren half the brethren who were had been in the Quorum of the Twelve for some time knew about the document and just kind of like, Oh I don't, I don't know what we do here, you know, let's yeah. let's adjourn come back tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs>
4: and, and John C. Woolley is Spencer W. Kimball's
2: uncle.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of knots in all of this stuff, isn't there? Any other questions? OK, who wants to give a closing prayer?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll call it a night. Thank you, guys. If anybody wants to leave their
3: email for a reminder of the Postal